So we're wrapping up our series today, our theme, uh, with regards to uh, exponential growth. And I want to tell you today something. Exponential growth leads to exponential living. An, exponent, an ever-increasing living. You know, and you say, Pastor, I just feel like I've, I've been part of the body of Christ for a, for a long period of time. I mean, how much more can I grow? How many of you know that if you've been a part of the body of Christ for a long time, you still have room to grow? You still can get, you still can get bigger in Him, amen? There's that we talked about the power of a compounding life, and, and some of this message today is going to be some review, and then I'm going to kind of wrap it up with a couple, just, a, just a couple points. I believe that the Lord has laid upon my heart the way you should be looking at things about how God wants to use you and taking a look at some of the hindrances that stop us from growing the way that God wants us to grow, all right? And so we're going to take a look at those things. But uh, I, I would like you to take a look at this with me. We, uh, in our scripture verse, in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, we said this, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. We went on and we read the particular passage in 42 through 47 and it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, the fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayer. Every day they continued meeting together in the temple courts. Say, you know what, this is still possible, right? Not so much maybe in the temple courts, but we can meet together every day. You can pick up the telephone, you can write an email, you can do FaceTime, you you can give someone a call. I mean, it's amazing what can happen today, how we can continue to meet, all right? They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with the glad and sincere hearts. I think that needs to happen again. Okay, am I going to just be the only one up here talking? I like to have a little dialogue, all right? So, so how many of you believe that you, you, you enjoy it when someone invites you to their home and you all, many times have a, a greater time than what you had thought you was going to have, right? <laughs> it's like, oh my goodness. And, and, you know, so they ate together. We're going to do that today, all right? With glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added, say added, to their number daily, those who were being saved. It's so much more than just uh, uh, adding to our number, all right? Because, you know, that, that's important. But adding to our number would be, would be senseless if we weren't adding to the depth and the growth of people as far as growing in the Lord. People being com becoming convinced of their faith. How many of you, from time to time, have the devil that tries to rock your world? Yeah. He comes in and he tries to mess with you. He tries to mess with your mind. He tries to play and put things within your heart. You have these crazy things called feelings. Anyone ever have feelings? More than feelings, right? <laughs> I mean, think about it. Nothing more than feelings. It's, feelings sometimes betray us. And, and, and it's so important to understand that God's got something for each and every one of us. And, and I want you to see here, because C.S. Lewis said this. He says, there exists in every church something that sooner or later works against the very purpose for which it came into existence. So we must strive very hard. Amen? Apostle Paul says we must press on, amen, forgetting the things that were behind and pressing towards those new things, towards the, towards the things that the Lord has for us, for those who are called in Christ Jesus. He says, so we must strive very hard by the grace of God. It isn't in our own strength, but it's by the grace of God. By this observation that none of us deserve these God's riches at Christ's expense, but we get them anyway, Amen. To keep the church focused on the mission that Christ originally gave to it. Now, I believe that God wants to grow us. I believe He wants to grow us as far as numerically. He gave a, a book of the Bible, right? What was, is there a book in the Bible about what? Numbers, exactly. I think He knows about numbers, right? 
He's concerned about numbers. The reason that we're here is because of numbers. He wants to increase those people who are spending eternity with him. If he wasn't concerned about that, then he'd snatch us all out of here right now. There's no reason to wait. So the mission that we have, the thing that the enemy is trying to, uh, try to discourage us in and distract us in, is to forget our very purpose. But I want to tell you something. God's called us, called us to not only have expo exponential growth, but to live an exponential life. Ever-increasing life. The very first week we talked about this subject matter here of uh, connecting. And, and I already give you this scripture, verse Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. That's our mission, all right? But I have a question for you over what we went over, and that is this. How am I connecting with God and with others? Because that's really important. That's a question. In order to grow exponentially, you've got to answer this question. How am I connecting with God? What systems, what things am I putting into place to help me grow to the next place? Because we see what things they did in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 and 47, right? They committed themselves. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to prayer and to fellowship and to breaking bread. I mean, they, they were there in worship on a regular basis. How am I connecting with others? The Bible says that we will know, the world will know our love of the God, the love that God has for us by the love that we show towards one another, all right? Second question was this, how is my discipleship process coming? Well, isn't that the same thing? No, because a disciple was a fully devoted follower of Christ. Now, we went through a follower uh, theme and, and message and, and, and a, a number of th things that we talked about, but we saw that there's some people who follow from afar, but a devoted, believing follower is someone who is willing to lay down his life. Willing to say, it's not about me, it's got to be about him. So we have to ask ourselves, how is my discipleship process coming? When I came to know Jesus Christ, did I basically get all that I had need of? Is that all that, 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 that was going to take place in my life? And then, how am I discipling others? You say, well, that's somebody else's job. Right? That's what we sometimes think. It's somebody else's job. But guess what? It's a job that the Lord has given to each and every one of us to go out and to make disciples. Baptizing them in what? The name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. I mean, teaching them to obey all the commands. That's what it says in Matthew 28. Look it up. You can see it there. So it's so important for us to know that, to the disciple-making process. And, and in this disciple-making process, and, and I don't have this in your notes today, so go ahead and mark this down. The great devotional for you to go to is called Fearless, all right? For those of you who have your smartphones or you're going and you're following along with us, Pastor Raymond, he'll go ahead and post it uh, for us as he's been doing all along. Put it on the website, uh, I mean on our Facebook page. And uh, so Fearless, go ahead and take a look at that. That's what we're going to be doing together over the course of the next seven days if you want to join with us. So the, the other thing we talked about is, what does my serve look like? And Pastor Ann showed us, she said, it's part of the responsibility of being a Christian. In our theme verse in, in, in Luke 19.10, we see Jesus didn't come to be served, but he came to see. He came to seek and save that which was lost, all right, so that he can serve individuals. The serving process completes us. It helps us to grow, Amen. Pastor Raymond talked about how am I involved in evangelism. What is evangelism? Is it optional? Is it optional, church? It's not optional, okay? How is it carried out? In all daily? 
but it's, it, it's carried out in all different types of ways. God's gifted different people. He said, I'm, I'm giving you, I'm sending the Holy Spirit, right? So that you can be my witnesses. So that people from all over the world, those in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world will come to know me. He wasn't just concerned about the Jew. He was concerned about the Gentile. He was concerned about everybody. And that's why evangelism is important. And then we have this question, how is a lifestyle of worship evidenced in my life? You say, Pastor, I, I, I just, I, I just, I'm waiting. I, I so long to, to just get to church and, and to be able to have that worship, that corporate worship experience. And I love it too when the body of Christ gets together. But let me tell you, as Pastor Christie so clearly articulated for us, that there is going to be a greater level of worship that we will experience on a corporate level when you are experiencing and living a lifestyle of worship in all the days in between. Amen? When you begin to read His Word, when you begin to pop the, that, that, that tune in, you listen to your 8-track if you want to, or you can listen to your cassette, or you can listen to your CD, or you can listen to your MP3. It doesn't matter to me what you listen to or, or the means or the mode that you do it. But let me tell you something. Plug something in. Get alone with, with the Lord. Begin to hear other people sing it. And you begin to sing. Let it begin to erupt out of you. It's more than a song. Amen? Worship is an experience. It's an account. It's what you were created for. It's the one thing that, 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 that was used, that God facilitated and used and put within the heart of Moses and the people. We're going to go out. We're going to bring you out of bondage so you can go worship me. And they got out there and wasn't out there very long. And guess what they did already? Started worshiping a golden image. Enemies right there to what? As C.S. Lewis said, try to distract us and detour us and stop us from the very thing that he's called us to. So what's next for us? What is next for the body of Christ? How is it that we can get to this place to where we can be exponentially growing? You know, all throughout our lives, we could probably take a look and we can think of the times in which we had a beginning spot in our relationship with the Lord. We can remember, we, were, we felt like we were, we were headed in the right direction. And then all of a sudden things stopped. And, and if you look back and you, you start to realize why things stopped, it's probably because something was removed out of your life that you needed in order to gain force to knock over the next domino. You are living in an ever-increasing world, amen, that's constantly gaining in knowledge and constantly increasing things. Well, we need to increase in our life with the Lord. So what's next? How do we do that? That's how we do it. That's how we do it right there. You're like, what? He's going to have some Kool-Aid or something for us to drink here real soon, right? No. No, not at all. Not at all. But there needs to be something that takes place and happens. And we're going to talk about this process of this nuclear explosion, this critical mass. How many of you know what, how, how an atomic bomb is made? Do you, do you understand the processes that take place? I don't, I don't understand it all. I'm going to give you a very brief understanding of this. But this is what I understand. And that is that, the, that in order to have critical mass, the implosion happens before explosion. The implosion happens before explosion. What do you mean, Pastor? I mean, how many of you ever heard of some of the substances there uh, of, uh, of uh, a nuclear weapon or of, a, of a, a bomb? Someone tell me what that is. Anyone know what it is? Uranium, okay, yep, right. Uranium, 235. 
The very first type of weapon that was put together, okay, in the atomic age, was uranium-235 was put inside of a little shell. And then there was some TNT, good old-fashioned dynamite, all right, that was very unstable. And when they took and they put the uranium-235 inside of the shell and mixed it with the unstable TNT, there was something that took place before this took place. There was an implosion. They took two ingredients, highly volatile, explosive, critical mass potential things, and it was only when they began to mix them with the instability of TNT... Now, I think it's interesting. And when you speak about, he says that he, he came so that he might give us power. It's called dunamis. Dynamite. God is a dynamite. He is a powerful force. I love it that, uh, you know, what he laid in my heart and the vision that he wanted me to give this congregation three years ago. You need to wake up every single morning and if you're trying to do your best to live for God, you need to say, watch out devil, watch out world because guess what? This is a force to be reckoned with because the Holy Spirit lives within me. He's working through me and I've given my life over to him and guess what? We are going to accomplish great things for him. But it doesn't happen by just an explosion. We would love that our praise and worship would be so awesome, would be just so off the charts, and we'd have an experience with God, and the, that the power of God would just settle on this place, and, and there'd be a, 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 a smoke coming out of the top. I mean, not literally burning, but, but flames. And such. We love to where people who were driving by would just kind of would, would sense the presence of God, all right? And wherever you go, all of a sudden, people are saying, wow, there's just something different about you. I, 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 I want that joy. I want that happiness. And, and, and you're like, oh, that's, that's so great. May I suggest to you that that stuff doesn't happen on the outside until there's an implosion on the inside. There is something that's been deposited in every single one of us, and he is the Holy Spirit. And there's a mixing process that needs to happen that causes for there to be an implosion rather than the explosion at first. Now follow me, if you would, please. I want to talk to you about a guy who basically was pretty bold, all right? In the midst of a genealogical report, a report in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9, going through some of the history there uh, and, and looking at who begat this person and who was the son of so-and-so and such, we find this place of 1 Chronicles 4-9 where God, how many of you know that God, God has inspired and authored the word, begins to point out the prayer and the personhood of a person by the name of Jabez. And he says, Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. Now, how many want to walk around with that kind of identification with you? <laughs> Every time somebody looks at you, they think pain. That's a challenge, isn't it? I mean, pain, because, because I, I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge. I don't know about you, but enlarge sounds like growth to me. <laughs> That you would enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from evil. That I may not cause pain 
So God granted him what he requested. And then right after this, you can see the genealogies and the report of the historical lineage of, of, the, of the families just kind of picks up. But there God gave us a little snippet of what would happen for someone who was born in pain, who can be bold enough to be able to say, I don't want to be noted as one of pain anymore. I instead want to be noted of somebody who was dared to say to God Almighty, the creator of this universe, bless me indeed. Bless me so that, guess what? I can be a blessing to others. Enlarge my territory that your hand would be with me. Not that I can just be successful. Not that I can just have riches. I mean, I don't have time to go into this. Bruce Wilkinson wrote a, a whole great little book on it. You can read it. How many have read the book, The Prayer of Jabez, before, all right? And, and, and you could see uh, some of the things that are in there. And, and he says right in the beginning, it's not a formula. He's not telling us to repeat this and to say this over and over again. There's no walking around anything and, and, and you know, expecting for those Jericho walls to fall down as you just keep on saying, bless me indeed, enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, that you would keep me from evil and that I would not cause pain. But there's a principle here that in the midst of something that looks pretty ordinary and insignificant, when someone would dare to say, this is how I am noted that I came into this world. This is what's noted about me. Some of you got some things going on in your life right now, and there's some pain with it. Some of you have some discomfort that's going on. Some of you have been disassociated. You're disjointed. You have some things that are happening in your physical world, in your marriage, in your job, in your homes, amen, something that's happened between you and your kids and your parents or something, and, and you feel this strain. You're saying, Lord, I need your intervention. I need you to do something because I can't do this in my own strength. And, and here's what he says, that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. I don't know about you, but I want to be a person who could say, Lord, I am bold enough to be able to recognize that I may, be, I may be a pain to some people, amen? Any pains in here before? Can you self-identify and say, you know, I've been a pain to someone before? Lift up your hand if you say, yeah, come on, tell the truth. And quit elbowing, all right, your spouses, all right? <laughs> I mean, but you've been a pain before, and you need the intervention of God to come into your situation, and you need to say, you know what, Lord? But I need you to be with me. I need you to be. And if you are with me, there could be some enlarging of my territory. There could be some enlarging of my areas of responsibility. There can be some enlarging of my effectiveness, of my productivity. You see, we need to become people who are not only believers, but who are doers of the word. Amen? We can't just hear it. We've got to do it. And it's the same thing. It's what we need to do for, for lost people. Listen, we will lose our exponential power that God has put within us if we don't let the implosion of the death of dying of ourselves that has to take place. The Holy Spirit is coming in, and all of us love it when He builds us up and makes us feel invincible. But guess what? You won't feel invincible till you feel dependent. You won't feel invincible until you implode and let Him come in and blow inside of you. He breathes into you life. 
So that when the Spirit of God, and there's this power that, that begins to uh, uh, attach, and there's this connection that begins to happen, and there's this disciple-making process that begins to take place, and there becomes this serving mode, and these things that begin to take place, and, and all of a sudden you're intentional about your evangelism, and you're intentional about your worship, and all of a sudden there is a critical mass explosion that begins to take place. And that which you wanted to accomplish can now be accomplished because of the implosion that has taken place within you. We struggle. We struggle with the fear of the unknown and the uncharted. And, I, and, and I'm out of time, and, uh, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to summarize some things here. I want those who are going to help me with a communion to just go ahead and, and, and ready yourselves, if you would, please. For Pastor Dan and Ashley to come, if you would. We struggle with the fear of the unknown and the uncharted. If you was to look in Mark chapter 16 you would find the account of the resurrection. And you would find where individuals were having appearances and, and could see Jesus at different places. And yet Jesus had to do something that wasn't pleasant. He had to deal with them about their unbelief. He had to deal with them and say, listen, don't you realize, I know you look small in your own eyes, but I'm about to do something in you. Would you begin to do something for me? We know that he gave the power of the Holy Spirit. You can find in Mark chapter 16, verses, like I said, 1 through 19, you could see where there was change that was taking place within the disciples as they were told to go and to do great things in his name, but yet, guess what? Jesus was gone. And they, they were demoralized. They felt like, what can I do? And they were overcome with all types of anxiety. And I just, I want to read one of these passages here for you. Is it got it here? Let me pull it up for a moment. Because it shut off on me. Verse number 14 of the, of, of the 16th chapter. Later Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating, and he rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. He said to them, now listen, he rebuked them for their lack of faith. And then rather than discarding them, he gave them a commission. How many of you are thankful that the Lord hits the reset button for us? And, and you could see here in verse number 15, he said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And he goes on and he says, These signs will accompany those who believe. And he, and he gives this whole list of things. It's remarkable. It's, 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 it sounds critical mass stuff. In my name they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them. And they will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. And after the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven, and he sat at the right hand of God. Then his disciples went out and preached where? Everywhere. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by signs that accompanied it. The critical mass can't take place until we deal with the lack of belief. 
The critical mass can't take place until we deal with the inward workings that need to be there. The things that need to be worked out of us. Amen? But there needs to be an implosion before there can be an explosion. John Wesley. How many of you have heard of him before? Recognized that the time was really important for him to get the message out. And he literally went from town to town on a horseback and began to preach the word. And as he began to preach the word, small little groups of people heard that word and responded to it. And he set up some systems. And the systems was that, that people would gather together in small groups. Go figure, huh? And, and they would gather together in these small groups. And, and, and as they were there, they would, they would pray and they would seek the face of the Lord. And, and, and it was really awesome the things that had happened. And, and they began to hold each other accountable as they began to practice observing His commands. And over time, England was changed. In fact, one history book reports that Wesley almost single-handedly saved England from the bloody revolution that was coming its way. Same time that something was happening in France and in America, guess what? Revival was taking place in England. Because one man got on a horse and he began to go around and he began to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. But guess what? It wasn't the masses. You see, when it was all said and done, only about 1% to 2% of the people even was receiving that good news. But the 1% to 2% had an implosion. They had something that they dealt with, the stuff on the inside, and they began to believe the principles of God. And before they knew it, there was an explosion taking place, and the whole nation was being transformed. So many times we look down upon the little things. And, and, and we get to a spot and, and we, we just say, you know what? It's too big. Lord, what you're asking for Central Assembly to do is too big. Look at where we're at right now. I mean, you could even look at to where we were to where we are right now. And you could be a little demoralized. And you know what? God does not get demoralized by our situations. God looks and he says, how many of you will allow for yourself to have the substance of the Holy Spirit who is a he, who is the personality, to do a work in you, to rework you, to reshape you, to reform you so that this implosion could take place and an explosion could happen. Because this critical mass, this explosion in atomic proportions is what we really need. But it won't happen until we see God do something in us. It took place with individuals like Dr. Martin Luther King, a man who had a, a dream, went to a place where another man had a, had a dream, or, or that we commemorate there at Lincoln, and, and he began to talk about this dream of unity, this dream of respect, this dream of valuing everybody as equals. And though it was hard, and though there was many implosions that were taking place, people, the church, listen, the church was headed down the wrong path. The church was in favor of something that we couldn't ever even imagine. God ever being in favor of slavery, disrespect, dishonor. How could it be? But then an implosion took place, a reworking a reshaping, a reconfiguring, and then all of a sudden an explosion took place and that very land, amen, 
that was being ripped apart and divided because of differing opinions, God raises up and says, this is going to be the order of the land. Do we still struggle with it today? Absolutely. But God is on the throne and He is restoring dignity. He is restoring purpose. He is giving the church a plan to be able to reach beyond its normal capabilities. He is mixing with us this TNT and this unstable. You know what the instability is? The instability is we don't know exactly what's next. The Holy Spirit has been deposited within us. You could say kind of like is a symbolic symbolism of this goes in the uranium 235, but the other ingredient is the instability of what's next. And you don't know all the time. And the only thing you can do is say, Holy Spirit, it's up to you. But I will not take myself away from the potentially dangerous moment, the potentially embarrassing moment. I won't take myself out of the equation and say, you know what, that's just taking things too far. You want me to be friends so-and-so? Do you know what they said about me? It isn't until we move into those places, the instability, those un- unstable situations. Pastor, you're, talking to us, you're trying to say to us that we need to embrace change? Possibly. No, not possibly, yeah. But you do it with the understanding that the Holy Spirit is going to do an implosion within you so it can do an explosion out of us. And the effects of what God does is just going to be scattered abroad. And where the wind goes, which is the Holy Spirit goes, there is no limit. Amen? Oh, I want you to get a picture of this. I want you to get a picture and understand that that there's so much that can happen. And it can happen in a whole lot quicker way than what you ever thought of. I said we're going to make reference to this this chart and this is my, my closing point here that I have here today. There's a zero there. There's a 1900. There's 800 and there's 2025. It's a chart. We told you that. In 1900, the modern Pentecostal movement as we know it today, did not exist. But in 1901, one individual came to have an experience and an encounter with God. Some hungry people got together, and one woman by the name of Agnes Osmond had an experience and an encounter with God. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit came upon her, and she was filled with the Spirit of God. And at our present projections to go from 1900 to 2025, uh, uh, I mean, look at this, 125 years later, there's going to be 800. Anyone want to finish that with me? Million. Million Pentecostal believers. In 125 years, one person could have an implosion what would look like a breakdown to others where she walked around for three days and couldn't speak in the English language spoke in the heavenly language looked like 
She was crazy, looked unstable, but the instability mixed with the power of God, the trusting, the walking by faith, the trusting that God would work and use through her and, and through the other individuals that moved to Topeka, Kansas, and then ended up in Azusa Street, and then ended up at Central Assembly of God in Muskegon. The power of God made manifest. And you're part of a movement. By the year 2025, 800 million Pentecostal believers. Don't tell me that God can't work through the little things, through the unstable things. Don't tell me He doesn't want to exponentially grow us. He does. And the way that it happens is by us recognizing our need for Him. You're going to be served with emblems that are representative of how Jesus kind of imploded. He died so that you could have life. But there was an explosion that took forth, amen? It took place. These emblems that you're going to receive in Holy Communion is a broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I want you to take those emblems and I want you to hold them in your hands because we're going to take them together. And we're going to expect that, that by, the, by the token and by what he tells us to do in commemoration of what he accomplished, that there will be an implosion within us and an explosion that will be heard around the world. Amen? Amen. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and you want to, you don't have to wait another moment. Today is the day of salvation. Today you can recognize what he did for you and you can ask him to be your Lord and Savior. So you take that emblem. I'm going to lead you in a prayer when you hold those things in your hand. God bless you. Begin to distribute those emblems, please. The song this, the team is going to begin to sing. It's a song that talks about no longer slaves. I want you to listen to the words of the song. Because as you hold these emblems, the enemy wants to beat you down. But I want you to get victory in mind. You're no longer a slave. Amen. Go ahead. Unravel me with the melody you surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies to all my fears of
And it starts there. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like Him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. The main ingredient that the enemy is going to try to use over and over and over again to stop us from accomplishing what God's called us to is that element called fear. There's an acronym that says it's false evidence that appears real. It's it's not even real. And we blow it up, we receive it, we take it as our own, and, and guess what? perfect love, when we receive the perfect love, guess what? The fear is going to be gone because we will trust in Him. It won't matter about the instability of the unstable situations and things that's happening around you. You're able to lift up your head and you're able to say, my God's got me. He is in me. 
He's done the work in me and imploded in me and now there is a power that I'm going to display and it's not my own. It's just like what Jabez talked about. That the hand of God will be on me. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what's going on in everyone's life here today. But if you don't know Jesus Christ, you don't know about His plan for you, or, or you've wavered and you've tried doing things your own way and your own strength, guess what? It won't work. But when you give your life over to the Lord and you recognize how you messed up just like every single one of us have in this room and you say, Lord, I am a sinner saved by grace. I sinned, but I don't want to be noted as that any longer. I want you to to just come in and regenerate me. I want you to, I want the justification that comes. I want the righteousness that comes in you to be demonstrated in me. And it doesn't happen until I die to myself. So as you hold this cup and you hold this bread, we do this to commemorate what He's done, but to inspire us about what we will do. Does that make sense to you today? If you need to know Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, everybody in this place, bow your heads, close your eyes, begin to pray so that somebody here today who's not right can come to know Jesus. Father, we realize that there is a force that tries to stop you from working and moving and bringing people to a saving knowledge of you. And I'm not sure if someone's been here for many weeks already or many months or many years and they don't know you. But God, it could be the very first time. But they're saying today, I want to get right with Jesus. If there is anybody here today, by the uplifted hand, would you lift up your hand? We're going to pray for you. Amen. By the uplifted hand, anybody here today, I need to get right with Jesus. I see that, young man. God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Looking from my left to the right. Amen. God bless you. I see that. Yes. Someone else. Yes, I see that. God bless you. Put your hand down. God bless you. Anybody else here today? Everybody pray this prayer with me together today. Thank you, Lord, for accepting me as I am to change me in what you want me to be. I could only receive your gift by receiving your son I receive Jesus today I receive the forgiveness of my sins thank you Lord for saving me in Jesus name that's the starting point those that raise their hands I recognize you as individuals who made decisions before the Lord before at some point or another you know it put the things around you to help you to grow. Amen. You hold in your hands now these emblems. I want you to take and hold them and I want you right now to have in mind the things that need to die in your life that stop you from becoming everything God wants you to be. Let the Holy Spirit begin to show you those things right now. What things need to die in your flesh? Heavenly Father, right now in Jesus' name, we ask you, God, to help us as we commemorate what you've done for us, that, you would, that we would also recognize what you want to do through us. Thank you for not giving up on us. Thank you for the critical mass, the starting point, and helping us to become something we never thought we could be. We thank you for your broken body. We thank you for your shed blood. And we rejoice that we are yours in Jesus' name. Go ahead and take the bread together if you would, please. Now the cup. Hmm. 
you believe that you are no longer a slave to sin, I want you to stand to your feet in this place. Stand to your feet in this place. Lead us in that song, that chorus part again. Hit it again. We're going to go out proclaiming this, saying, I'm no longer a slave to sin. God bless you.